The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. Hello. How are you? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the 23rd episode of the Wolf it's, and Bull. 23rd. It's, it's, it's so many now, I can't use my paws, or my paws, my hooves to count properly anymore. You know, I always thought when we were going to record this that the first episode would be you and I wearing masks like some eyes wide shut bullshit. Or like some uh, Nacho Libre kind of stuff. Not as fun. Not as creepy, but sure. sure yeah, that not? works. Um so welcome everyone welcome uh i'm the wolf this is the bull here as you can see i'm gesturing towards him with my left hand so i don't block that's gonna look the, like your the right, right camera well people <laughs> should be able to tell um welcome to the 23rd episode of the wolf and bull we are here to discuss a few things um as we always 20, are 22nd 23rd it's 23rd so i'm positive it's 23rd okay Positive. I'm glad you're positive. If it's not the 23rd, then are welcome to the 22nd. I'd rather be negative these days than positive. Dear God, we are starting early. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just for a quick heads up, like any other podcast or, you know, episode of anything, if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave us a review. Follow us on, I was going to say follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, follow us on uh, Instagram. You know, leave us a like. And if you really, really like what you hear, go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple podcast and if you get this done right then you can follow us on youtube as well yes uh, hopefully we get this done right fingers crossed for first inaugural episode via camera and audio and you'll see the, the vast sophistication of this oh yeah i'm getting it i'm telling you table's gonna go here and i'm gonna have the little laptop and this thing's gonna have a mount and it's gonna have your mic and mine's gonna have a mount here it's gonna have my mic and then this camera this 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 light here going right there and you'll have the chair and wow. i'll have that chair so the wolf has it all have it all out. planned out um, so, you know, as you're, you know, dying from the unknown <laughs> black plague, um, I, to answer your question, I'm doing okay. How Good. are you? I'm doing wonderfully well. Yeah. I, I just got back from the gym. As you know, uh, I was being a little prima donna bitch, wanted to go lift some weights. I oh. saw Arnold on the wall. Welcome to America. I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Screw your freedom. You don't need it. Wow. And, uh, you know, you know, what's funny is going to the gym and seeing him everywhere. Like he's actually, you actually pictures. of. Oh, him you've got wall? pictures of him on the wall. What? Now, granted, first Why? of all, oh, because for some reason, Arnold Schwarzenegger Wait, is, is please take steroids. Well, yeah, he's the poster child for working out, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, <clears throat> he should be the poster child, as you just suggested uh, for steroids, because technically Ronnie Coleman did more for the well, heavy weightlifting industry than he did. Um, but what can I say? Celebrities are going to celebrity. You know, um, the fact is, is anybody that wins any of those things is not natural. No way. Right. No, no. But natural is an interesting have you seen, subject this, these days. Have you seen it? Ronnie Coleman? I don't even know who you're oh, talking about. It big. is that is that uh, no. Uh, what's what's Coleman? The guy that used to be on. Uh, I was going to say Dabney Coleman, but that's that's <laughs> no way idea. before your time. <laughs> no, the 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 little kid from oh, what was the the comic thing? 
Good times. Good times, right? Is it good times? No, from back in the 90s or something. The little Coleman dude, the short African-American dude that... Hey, what's up, Willis? No. Oh, what you talking about, Willis? Yeah, what you talking uh, about, but I don't know. I don't know what Coleman that's from. Coleman is his name. What was his last name? I've never... Yeah, I have no, no freaking idea. Right over... I was poor. He definitely wasn't aware I was, of I was poor. never saw it. Um, I think they were poorer, supposedly. <laughs> they were. No, <laughs> no I still have no idea what you're talking about. But for, for our listeners, if you know, um, <laughs> obviously, that might be a reference. Ronnie Coleman is not that person. He was very large. Um, his... His quads were like the size of my torso, so that tells you how unnatural he was. Mm. Um, I think he's still alive, so he is. Uh, Actually, he might not be. He actually might have died recently. Um, So, for you, you're doing well. Any 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 news with the bull? I don't know. Just just making my way downtown. Downtown bull walking fast. I got to be weird though, because usually I go downtown. I got to avoid all the china shops, you know. <laughs> moment of, si- moment <laughs> of silence. Come on now. There's, <laughs> that like, was, that was there's a that double entendre in there. There's all kinds good. of meaning. No, you know, you got the china shop, meaning the plates and everything, the yeah. bull. But then nowadays you could be the year of the bull in China. And if it's in China, maybe it's the year of the bat. Last year was the year of the bat. No, 19. The pangolin. Year of the pangolin. Year of oh, pangolin oh, I'm sorry. Let's not get all the pangolins out there that are still left and haven't been eaten from some wet market somewhere. Did you see that just yesterday it came out? I don't know if there's a New York Post. It was somebody. They said that they, in China, Wuhan, they were researching. I'm going to fucking high, high broad this. Gain of function to release high broad this. Broad stroke this. Gonna um, high broad I'm going to high broad a lifting? I'm going to high broad Is that it. a lifting No, stop kit? it. Lifting kit? <laughs> yes. Lift kits are for trucks. Yes, they are. Um, so, yeah, they were basically gain of function. I'm, I'm, I'm going on. I'm going more. I'm going right forward. Through, I'm plowing baby. through Lewis and Clarkin. Um, <laughs> uh, so, gain of function to release uh, SARS-CoV-2 into bats. You know that that came out like yesterday. To yeah. release some air, airborne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, yeah, I did not read that. But I, I might you know, have you can't that keep wrong. up with any of this stuff nowadays. Yeah, because gain of function usually is the other way around. They're trying to increase the function. It's the the term itself, gain of function. We, we want to make this thing more than it was. So we want to make it so it can cross species, not go right back into the same damn species. Mm. So. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, f- fast-track that for next episode because I want to make sure I'm talking about the right okay. thing. Um, yeah. So disregard that, our listeners. Uh, this is just hearsay. But speaking of the news, which is now what we're talking about, um, and other stupid things, the White House uh, is condemning the border guard usage of a whip-like cord against Haitian migrants. Um, mm. That is not what they said initially. Didn't they say uh, whips? Initially, like a, it's now whip like it's a whip like cord to uh, horse reins, maybe? horse rein. Yeah. And do you know they have extra long ones that they use down there to make sure they control the horses, especially when they're walking through streams and things? Yeah. Did Anybody you see the video of it? ever read a horse? No, I have not. Nor do I care. And nor is it even a story if we don't have tens of thousands of migrants sitting there under bridges and running through the, you know, running helter skelter over a border like there's no border. Yeah. And if you have a philosophy out there that there should be no borders, good on you. Own it. Quit pretending that you don't have that view. You know, that would be my take. Well, I think the funniest part about all of it is that the people who are writing these articles and pointing these things out are so that is nasty. I that is disgusting. 
great. What do you want me to do with it? <laughs> swallow it. Swallow. That's not nasty. Okay. Let's swallow your body. Don't you your know, body did your mother it. never That's tell you that it was going to get stuck tale. in a your intestinal False. track? False. It'll grow and grow and grow until anyway. you have a like a giant gumball. Anyway. Anyway. Like a huge jawbreaker. You removing moving a piece of gum out of your mouth to put it on the. the <laughs> <laughs> the side table aside, well, it's um, not on the table. The funniest thing. Oh, I don't care. Yeah, doesn't care. Um, the the funniest thing about this to me is that the people who are writing these articles are so out of touch with just general life that they think a horse rein is a whip. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, they can what, be used as whips. They certainly have throughout anything history. Anything can be used anything as can. whips. I could can, take my belt take off and a towel and whip somebody. Yeah. With, I, I look. I, I don't know what went on. None of us were there. I saw the video. I know what went on. Okay. Well. You weren't in their there. heads. You weren't in I the was. heads of either. The, the The whole point is is that you've got an absolute creation of a mess down there that everybody wants to avoid because it's not politically astute to get involved in it or even go to the freaking border, mm. right? So, and, and people are looking for a boogeyman. They're looking for a narrative that justifies either their inability to talk about the real problem or make an enemy out of something else. Yeah. And... That's that's the problem with our world today. Everybody wants to make an enemy out of somebody. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be that way. Well, yeah, and I think you have a good point. I, I guess my my frustration with it all is it seems like along with the enemy and everyone wanting to make an enemy out of something, it seems like everyone wants to tie racism to something. And I've got a really interesting anecdote that I experienced over the last weekend. Mm. Uh, I'm getting really tired of white guilt. And what? I, let me clarify because that sounds terrible. But what I mean by that is I'm getting tired of people correlating everything in society or every event having to do with a specific demographic that has less melanin in their system um, to somehow be racist. I was at a retreat this last weekend. Good time. Good people. Oh, hold it. Only white um, people go to retreats. God. Do you know God, I'm going to flip my freaking... I'm going to flip my laptop and it's going to, we'll never record again because they'll see evidence of violence. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was at a retreat. Uh, it was a fun time. And, you know, obviously there was, you know, partying and, and, and drinking. Um, and me and a few. What kind of drinks? Water specifically. Yeah, we had to hydrate ourselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> drops a bunch of name brand. Oh, yeah. Uh, the unnamed kind. The one you have in your hand and the mystery. Mystery energy. Drink uranium over juice over there. Um, kind of looks like apple juice. It is apple juice. Um, so anyway, I'm at this event with a bunch of people and it was later at night and, you know, it was really hot outside. So we we're all at the pool slash jacuzzi. Um, everyone was having some drinks and we ended up pulling out one of those like card games. Uh, it's like a never have I ever type scenario, except sure, under sure. a different branded name. Um, and you, you get a question asked and if you've done the thing, then you drink. And obviously it was a formal-ish events, so we stayed away from stuff that was stupid and inappropriate. Mm -hmm. One of the questions I got was, uh, have you ever been pulled over? Now, I have never been, well, I think it was, have you ever been pulled over for speeding? I've never been pulled over for speeding, despite, you know, the vehicle that I used to drive in, uh, a red GTI that I used to call Elmo, which, <laughs> great, great name, perfect car, uh, 2009, bought it really low mileage uh, and treated it like it was a baby for six years anyway I recently sold it um but I, I said that out loud like oh, i've never been pulled over you know a manual stick shift car registered as kind of a i mean for insurance mm -hmm. purposes sure. a sports car um higher insurance but never got pulled over and i drove not like a maniac but i drove i drove fast ish zip, i mean we live zipper. in california so I, sure. you know, the average speed is like 95 yeah, exactly. um never got pulled over and one of the individuals a <sighs> 
Use your imagination. I'm sure you can imagine what this person looks like based on what they said. Uh, they said, well, did you ever consider um, that maybe you weren't pulled over because of the color of your skin? What? And I was like, uh, no. Well, you know, I have heard that today's police radars yeah. not only calculate your speed. They calculate the level you, of melanin in your yes, skin. Yes, they do. They yeah. calculate your ethnicity. Um, but I guess they're my... linked up to the the Church of Latter Day Saints in Utah, <laughs> and they they have that thing off. <laughs> the, like a, yeah, a ghost. They, they, of... they know exactly your lineage. Yeah. The, like, who, wait, who's the who's the face. who's the leader of the Latter Day Saints? It wasn't Joseph Smith. That he's Mormons. That's the same. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Really? Yeah. No. Oh. Same thing. LDS. I'm it, not sure. Yes, it is. Okay. Well, it's the same thing. Maybe if, I'm thinking of something else. If you don't like a name. Change ah, the name, well, right. They have like an automated voice of like Joseph Smith. Saying, Hello, I am <laughs> Joseph Smith. Welcome to the Church of Latter Day. <laughs> Welcome to the Church of the Amar and Latter Day Saints. I didn't. I didn't rob graves before I became a leader oh. of a religion. Uh, um, you know what? Look that up sometime. It's pretty crazy. Man. Yeah, he was a scam. He was artist. like him and his mom were like tarot card readers and and no offense to any and, LDS and or Mormons. I, hell, offense. the world's full of. Ge- you know what? The, the interesting part about all these cultish things and we'll get into one that's very interesting here in a little bit that has kind of that flavor to it a little bit that's a little different than that but the mtv uh, music awards <laughs> <laughs> that's one in of itself right there but the reality is it's like anything else the broad swath of of individuals involved with all these things are typically good people that just don't know the or are blinded by or are looking for something that is missing in their life back to our purpose kind of discussion yeah, that we I have wouldn't... every single podcast purpose 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 do you think maybe we think that's important no just a little maybe you i i, I don't I'm you don't give a shit about i'm purpose, indifferent yeah indifferent? i'm indifferent no purpose um, in life are you purposeless are you floating around in a cloud of something apple juice maybe? i didn't prep for this to be a psychological dive into my it is every time <laughs> what are you talking about I mean, well, no, I, pre- I think i think it's per i think purpose is important um i wouldn't agree with you on the generally good thing i think people are kind of in the middle i don't think people are good or bad i think they're just kind of in the middle they do things that are sometimes good altruistic and they do things that are sometimes bad without knowing the consequence um i t- am very hesitant to label people good or bad these days well, i think i think most people do things that are not self-indulgent. That's not the right word, but um, they, they... Self-interested? It, there you go. Maybe. That's, yeah, absolutely. I think so. Because it, at the end of the day, which is not even close to yet, but at the end of the day, yeah, <laughs> we are all interested in what we can do for ourselves in the small cadre of people around us that's closest to us. Yeah. Because those are the most important things first. And speaking, and that interestingly ties into my, my anecdote a little bit ago, which is a real story, not just a tall tale. Sure, here. I'm sorry. Um, I well, it, that. it ties in into cars. it, though. So you apparently have a GTI privilege. Well, no, 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 right? no, no. no. I, I'm, I don't really care about that. I What well, I no, care the, about the, is the, the fact that people itself. are correlating everything to racism these days. And what I mean by that is you've got to take a lot of mental leaps as a person of privilege, me being a white cisgender male um, and or demon, depending on who you talk to, uh, Nick Cannon, I'm looking at you. Um, Me being that demographic, you have to have a lot of mental leaps to go through that are very racist to reach your end statement to get approval from the group that you're within. And that statement was obviously to get approval from the group that you're around. Now, for (laughs) me... I doubt that person would have asked you individually or maybe they would have. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. My question is, well, what made you get to that point? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think that... Did you ask them that? No, I didn't because I don't think it's an appropriate thing to call out In people. The group. Yeah, I don't think it's appropriate. I didn't want to get into that type of conversation. Mm-hmm. And not because I couldn't. It's just people who say things like that don't very... They very often don't think about what they're saying. Sure. Because what they're implying is that either A, 
I am so dumb that I'm not on a, that I'm not aware of the privilege that I have as a white person. B, that in every instance of society up into driving a car, there is a certain demographic that is a victim demographic in every area, meaning that that demographic has no ability or capacity or understanding to be able to take themselves out of that position, which is racist because you're implying that, okay, well, they're, they're, they're not intelligent enough to change mm -hmm. and they don't have the same capacity as me, a white savior, to save themselves from certain scenarios, such as driving the speed limit or obeying lo local See, I, and regional I, laws. I think things should be looked at more on the lines of economic privilege instead of racial privilege. I don't think we should talk about privilege at all. Well, I think, I, I think there, is, there is a truth behind having some privileges in whatever context we're talking about. Whether it, I don't think it's ever society as a whole, personally. I think it's the tribe you're in. The, sure. The, the situation, the, the, I don't know, the club, the, the uh, church that you go to, the school that you go to, everything like that. There are certain privileges afforded based on hopefully what you've done not who specifically you look like or who you are yeah but certainly <coughs> excuse me over time you know that having had money in the family having being able to get yourself into a better college or something like that to quote unquote um it, it just happens all the time I, I, there's yeah. no completely perfectly even playing but I, field. But what I mean by that we shouldn't talk about it is much like with Morgan Freeman when he talks about we shouldn't talk about racism. There's no purpose to stating your privilege in front of anybody unless you are a complete and total asshole. Uh, because the reason I say this is because you bringing up my privilege is a form of social cleansing. It's like going to the Catholic church, going into the little uh, box next to the priest and admitting mm -hmm. your sins. There's everyone in America has privilege. So for me to come up, ah, yeah, I have privilege. It's all comparative. Well, it's all comparative, but it doesn't solve anything. Like, if, if I'm going to live my life basing my entire experience off of the privilege of what I see within myself without taking into consideration that that might not matter to someone else and it's not relevant well, to the conversation. I think any privilege should be assumed in the first place. Look, well, life in America is about the advantage Americans in general have, the privilege, quote unquote, we have living here that affords us the freedom and the opportunity to overcome whatever you think your personal deficits sure. from birth or from life or from economics or from geography or from whatever. But what is the point of bringing it up? There's no point. point. That's There's my no point. point. I agree with you entirely There's on no that. But my, my, whether you bring it up or not, it's it's tacit that it's there. It's, it's, it's kind of insinuated into our lives in one way, shape, or another. And the problem with today is it's not a background haze of understanding amongst everybody. It has to be brought out and pointed out as if saying something to somebody else about their privilege gives you some kind of points well, it it in favor you, of a It brings you group. into the popular club. That's all it Right, and, and, and that popular club means nothing except to give you some kind of privilege over the person you're pointing at. It's it's the same, it's a type of theology. It's yeah. the same thing that the Catholics do, it's the same thing that Christians do, same thing that the Muslims do, and anyone else who believes in any other specific religion. Acknowledging so, what your shortcomings are in order to get accepted by the particular group that you want to be accepted by, which in this instance, it doesn't solve anything because the people that are with you are not absolving you of anything. They just want to hear your personal in, uh, your personal mm -hmm. information. That's like walking so, around saying, uh, you know what, my dad was an abuser. To no context to everything. There's right. no reason to bring it up. Okay, yeah, exactly. Why Why are you saying that? Exactly. You know? Well, it's, it, there's no purpose it do, for it. I, you know, if you want to talk to your therapist about it, fine. Mm -hmm. But in the context of a, a social gathering or something like that, there's an underpinning 
uh, reason for people bringing this stuff up, and it's usually what White you said. Guilt. White guilt. guilt. And, and it's nonsense. Well, my biggest frustration with all of it is it doesn't, again, doesn't solve anything. It's like the people, you remember Coney? By the way, everybody, it, take a good look at Wolf here. Good look. I know his skin color tells you one okay. thing. But he is, in part, Haitian, correct? Partially. There's a Haitian, small Haitian, Dominican Republic, something. Yeah. Let's use Haitian for the context of one of the this yeah. thing that we're talking about, though. Because you brought up a moment ago this whipping thing down at the border. And right now, for whatever reason, there seems to be a predominant of Haitians coming through our southern border. And I, you know, I was, I was looking into that a little bit. Of, and, and from what I understand, most of the Haitians that are coming across, it's not like they just swam across the, the Gulf to get to Mexico and now coming up through, through um, near, I think it's near San Antonio. Del Rio. Uh, Del Rio Valley. Yeah, that's near San Antonio, if I remember correctly. Somewhere that down just south of there, obviously. It, they're, they've been living in Mexico or Peru or something else for some time. In other words, they were refugees from Haiti. They moved over there, and now they saw the doors swinging wide open in the United States, and they decide to come up. Well, That's what's going on there. Well, and here's the thing. Is I don't really... So what about your lineage? Come on. Well, why? why yeah, you... I'm not going to... I'm not going to get into that. Um, and the reason I'm not going to get into that is because I, I consider lineage cultural and, you know, anything past 100 years to be pointless to discuss. It's fun to talk about from a historical perspective, but what happened 100 years ago to some degree doesn't really affect what's going on with me right now because it doesn't. It, 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 it set it can, up the maybe circumstances fiscally, Maybe you. fiscally can, but at the same time... It didn't for you. It didn't for... Yeah, it didn't for me. As I said earlier, I was poor. Um, and still am, cons- comparatively to, you know, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> um, <laughs> but speaking of privileged assholes, um, Anne Hathaway, Ciara, and more so- stars decided to sign an open letter to help end the COVID-19 pandemic earlier this week. Well, so, did they send something to WHO or the CDC? No. Or did, uh, they, did they... Like send something to the scientists that said, you know, get your head out of your ass. Is that what they said? So according to the NY Post, uh, 70 entertainers signed an open letter to world leaders in a plea to help stymie the spread of coronavirus. The letter was constructed by the global nonprofit CARE. Model I'm Model Iman. Iman Model Iman. Is that the guy's name? Is Iman's his name? Um, That's badass. Uh, Is the organization's global advocate and helped urge leaders to increase their vaccination efforts. The letter was published Tuesday. For all those listening, it's Thursday um, and coincides with the United Nations General Assembly in the global COVID-19 summit hosted by President Biden, which if I remember correctly, the last time it happened, he said, I would see you all again next year, which is kind of weird. Why would you say why would you say that with a pandemic if you're supposed to try and end it? Just pointing that out. This is probably not going to get any views on YouTube. It's just going to get going to get thousands. It's going to get shut down. Avalanche. We're first episode on YouTube. Like no. Um, But the (laughs) you know the funny thing about all this is, look, I have no problem with people getting vaccinated. I have no problem with people making decisions medically that their own decisions. I have no problem with people trying to urge their friends to get vaccinated. What I have a problem with is when people treat this thing like it's some sort of entity that we can pray to and then it can go away. And like what we talked about a second ago, it, much like with white guilt or much like with racism, these things are becoming like theological constructs that people are now appraising or approaching in such a way where it's like, what are you doing? Like, look, look I hate to break it to our listeners. If masking and vaccines prevented all disease, there would be no disease. Now, I'm not saying, again, that vaccines and masks don't work. What I'm suggesting is if you look into vaccinations, you look into masking, if you look into the TSA, they're deterrents. 
and they work in the same way when it comes to medicine. You get vaccinated, the thing that you're getting vaccinated against is inoculated in your body. Doesn't mean the virus doesn't exist anymore. It could still be in your body. You're just not experiencing symptoms. So same thing with masking, even though I think that's a little bit more pseudosciencey. With that being said, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. It just means that when I hear about people who are celebrities or people in general who are like writing open letters to a virus or a disease. Dear virus, <laughs> we do not miss you. We want you gone out of our lives. Dear Actually, I think, we should, I think we should start a campaign for all children this year to write to Santa. Dear Santa, this is Tiny Tim. It's been a long, God hard, God bless you, everyone. <laughs> it's been a difficult year with COVID-19 hanging over everybody's shoulders. No, it's not hanging over. It's You're writing this to COVID, Breathing remember. with, dear COVID. Santa. Stop breathing into my Could you bring me ear. my booster shot, please? I, well, it, it, I guess my point is, like, I, no, I understand, it, like, pushing vaccination. I mean, it's like... Look, with, I, don't, I don't even... Yeah, that, that isn't... Look, it, I, I think what they, what they believe is too much in themselves. See, we've got a culture that puts people up on a pedestal because mm-hmm. of their because of their, you know, uh, ability athletically or their ability to be a, a great person on stage or they sing wonderfully or whatever. And uh, you know what? If you want to follow them on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, have at it. But when they start talking about things they know nothing about, well, I, look, they have they have their heart in the right place. I have no idea. I didn't read. Well, this I guess I guess the but problem that, it, the problem is not that I, I look. I don't care if they talk about it. the problem is that it's treated by the media as if it's something that matters. Like oh, uh, Joy Reid, yeah. for example, oh, with God. with the we the said recent, Joy. By the way, we said Joy Behart the other day in this whole Joy Reid. She is Joy Reid. Joy Reid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know who Joy Behar is. <laughs> Joy, Joy the, Behar's the, on the, the View. view. Yeah. yeah Joy Norm McDonald made her cringe in the 90s Norm or early Donald was 20, awesome, by the way yes he was you know god rest you um you know yeah rip rip norm mcdonald uh with that being said I, I don't have a problem with like celebrities or athletes having an opinion on something i have a problem with people taking it to a position where like okay because they said this thing we now have to listen to them and agree with them i mean in their letter they stated that none of us are safe until none of us are safe until all of us are safe we call on leaders gathering at the United Nations General Assembly session to boldly act together to end COVID-19 everywhere, which is an impossible goal. Does anybody it, realize we're on this little tiny blue marble in the well, middle of space that could be annihilated at any time? Well, the problem Nobody's is... Nobody's safe. Well, life, the problem, is life is called life because there's something at the end of it that is not safe. The problem, though, is that we're, we're playing, as you said, we're, we're playing with these these very outlying scenarios in which we can't control certain aspects that was nice <laughs> we we can't control whether someone gets sick we can't control whether we get sick and i'm not saying that we can't take measures to you know maybe deter certain events from sure happening it's like it's like driving a car to wear a seatbelt like obviously you wear the seatbelt you may not die but if you're going 120 down the road and you hit a wall you're probably gonna die right. like hate to break it to you so, so if you're the guy in the other car not mm-hmm. anywhere matter of fact they're going the other way on the highway and you see somebody erratic on the other side do you get mad at them because of what they're going to do to you a lot some people would yeah some people would no I mean, they're not going to do anything though. to you they're nowhere near you oh there's a dividing line yeah there's yeah, like a there's, median my, yeah. my point is is that we got to stop being mad at each other we got to stop being if you're vaccinated don't be mad at the unvaccinated they're not doing anything to you you're safe right even though you you know you may get this thing see vaccinations there's been this belief put out there by government officials and media and everybody alike that these vaccinations are saving us all. And the diminishment of the virility 
of these these um, you know diseases is what vaccination is about. It's not going to stop you from getting it. Mm-hmm. It's just like anything else. You can still get it again. It's just to lessen the effect at it by creating a, a barrier, an army inside your own system to fight against these things. That's what's which, about, including natural immunity, right? Well, let's because the natural get, immunity is even better, is it let's not? Let's not get is it uh, not? according to studies from Israel. It is according uh, to studies all from all of all biology, medical history. Yeah. Um, well, what's funny is that it, I think the problem is that we have, and I've said this before on multiple episodes, we have an entity in the mainstream media, and we referenced this in a few episodes where there was only three big players. Now it's basically open season for everyone. We're playing a part in that ourselves, where there's a lot of different pundits talking about things, throwing their opinion out there, and it's right. taking views away from the mainstream media. So what the mainstream media does, and speaking of natural immunity, uh, entities like Vice News, which they should just remove the news from... Well, they have right. the news removed from their name now, which is just Vice. Vice. Yeah, which hmm. kind of a weird well, maybe, news name. Maybe, yeah. um, but they they said on Twitter as of was it yesterday or was it today? Uh, no, September twenty first. So they said a few days ago, uh, yesterday actually, or no, yes, yesterday. Um, they said that there's no such thing as natural immunity, and even if you've been lucky thus far, Delta could change that. So, huh? So here's the problem with that statement. It one, it's it's biologically incorrect <laughs> across the board which should be flagged as false false it information won't be, though right it should be and and here's the reason i say that is because your body is not meant in any way to be specifically only moderated by vaccinations now what i mean by that is not that we shouldn't get them what i mean by that is your body our, our bodies are beautiful things they're not immune they're very fragile if you think about it with that being said if there was a prerequisite at any point in time that in order to live a long life, we would all need vaccines, then why at all, why in any case would we not, this is kind of Look, a hard approach. Uh, Basically, my point is you should not be living in a world where in order to have some level of immunity, you have to be inoculated to everything because that's where we're going. Like, what, And I brought yeah. this up. Look at the rhinovirus. There's so yeah. many variants of the rhinovirus that it's impossible to have a vaccine. And now that COVID-19, according to the CDC it's and the WHO, the same thing. well, it's endemic. So yeah. it is it is already yeah. the, the, the same thing. Yeah. And their point is they're trying to make a vaccine for every facet of COVID without understanding that much like the flu, there are going to be variants. There are going to well, be look, changes every th- year. The way I look at this is much like the way I look at uh, IT solutions. You know, computerization systems, whether you have an Apple or a PC or whatever you have, doesn't matter. Whatever programs you use, there are viruses that get involved with that. And then there are patches to fix those viruses. And then new viruses or derivations from the original viruses come out that have to be patched and fixed to patch to fix. It's... It's an it's endemic. This is bio biological systems are not that different. They just aren't. They're they're different in the way they're constructed, in the way they produce, in the way they they uh, take information and manage it and and engineer things in our system. But you can break it down the same way. You can look at it logically along the same way you do information systems in programs, etc. And that's that's why I, I'm so intrigued by the MNRA vaccine in the first place, and that it's a delivery system it's a program it's M- a, it, it's very mrna mnra i think i said it right mrna did i mrna i think it's buddy 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 you know what i meant out yeah. there right yes but the the bottom line is it's very intriguing it's very interesting it's very technical the, the idea i believe that that these these biotech firms are coming up with other than the fact that they want to be the most rich 
entities in the whole world, and they're not well on their way to doing this when you have 7 billion people got to get a shot, right? But uh, the, the second part of that is they want to be able to look at all the possible derivations for viruses that come out and be so specific on the spike protein or the second spike protein or the double, triple spiky this and that, that they're going to cover all their bases, which double, ultimately well, ultimately they look at that <laughs> and they think that's going to be better than natural immunity. Natural immunity takes the entire virus that gets into your system. We both have it, had it, right? We both had this COVID shit. It wasn't fun. It, you know, you taste, smell, the different effects on your body, feeling weak, all the... Hey, it's a big deal out there. I would not tell anybody yeah. otherwise. You develop, develop this really weird, raspy, cancerous type of voice, similar to Anthony Fauci. That sounds like uh, Alex uh, Jones, uh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm getting about code. Okay. That's right. Oh. But the 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 fact is is that natural immunity create is our our biological systems that have been around a long, long, long time have learned to take these intruders into our system, look at them a whole, recognize them, defeat them, and then recognize them if they come back. That's the whole idea. And vaccines are supposed to reproduce that same affect. But the problem is when the MNRA uh, vaccine has come out, this is very generic, guys, and I know part of its opinion, and I'm not a scientist, and let me, you know, all that naughty stuff. But the reality is, is the MNRA vaccine is focusing its direction on a very small portion it's the spike protein it's saying body i'm delivering this information this code to the cells that says cells you're engineering geniuses you make this spike protein but you make it in a non-virulent way and then have your body create the antibodies to attack that but that's not the whole virus yeah so natural immunity should be 10 times or more better effective at covering you for the future of this mm -hmm. it, it that's that's so I mean, and uh, you know some of the media outlets are taking and cherry picking hey we love the israeli data on boosters using that to basically say boosters 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 and of course biden said we're giving give boosters to everybody and then the fda said no i don't think we should do that interesting over people over the age of 16 but, yeah but but uh uh, but the Israeli data also says natural immunity is what thirteen times better or something like well, that. Well, what's funny is that the Israel Israel is the most inoculated country in the world right now. Absolutely, they, they, having, they had a big spike. Having, well, they're having an outbreak again. Yeah, and and I guess the problem that and the way I look at this is I just think it's a general misinterpretation on behalf of the mainstream media for political purposes and on behalf of people who are just not doctors they're not uh, epidemiologists so they don't have this this granular understanding of something we all thought and me especially and what's interesting uh, on a side note is this is creating people who have knowledge about some things that they never would have otherwise had because of it but anyway um i just think there's a, a large predominance of individuals who who are afraid who don't like what's going on and they're thinking that if they follow the rules they listen to people who are in power things will go back to normal that's not ever going to happen that's something that people need to acknowledge. We are no longer, the track we are on is no longer the normal track. We have opened the door for big government to be involved in our personal medical history. And people say, oh, well, what about schools? What about, you know, all that stuff? You know, kids have to get inoculated. Yeah, for stuff that has a high level of mortality for children. Now, and for stuff that once you've been vaccinated or been boosted, it's done for life. Supposedly. Supposedly. Well, 
For the most part, right? Uh, Well, I mean, what's interesting about, and I'm sure there's going to be a year from now, we'll be talking about this again, but I'm sure there's going to be weird, small upticks in certain things because people haven't gotten vaccinated for things like the measles or things like smallpox. On record, how much do you want to bet that we're going to be looking at this same issue once COVID calms down Mm -hmm. and some of the the derivations from it? It's already calmed down. Well, give it a year or two, and we'll be looking at this same kind of issue around flu in general. I don't think they're influenza. No. I think it's going to be something. I think it's going to be something else. I don't mean lockdown. I mean, I mean, a, not a request to go get your flu shot, but a demand. In other words, you know, this this documentation that you hold with you that says you've been inoculated for this will not just be for one thing. It'll be for this, this, mm-hmm. this, this, this. Well, all we're doing is, as you've stated, and I'm <clears> I'm starting to jump on the bandwagon. We're just doing a social credit score, like China. It's, and the problem yeah. with all that is that it's not. People don't seem to understand how absolutely dangerous that is when it comes to one medical information um two privacy and three the ability to operate as a free citizen you know what's interesting Um, though and i apologize for interrupting you on this but this is what actuaries have done forever Mm -hmm. you know what the whole idea of big business allowing insurances or whatever we're talking about is to look at your either your as an individual or as groups the risk a reward for investing something in that individual or group, allowing them to get insurance rate that's here instead of here. All those kinds of things are done because of actuary tables, historical data, big data that you look at and say, you know, you're a, you know, a 58 year old, 57, 57, 57. Year old bull. I'm an old bull at this age, this, this ethnicity, what is that, bull this years? type of business, this type of history medical history that I can get my hands on as an insurance company, I know your life insurance better cost you this or I better not sell it to you at all. And what this credit, this social credit score is, is the same thing. It's it's telling everybody else that these people are good risks or bad risks based on a bunch of criteria that has been determined by a government to be the criteria. That's well, where the I think the problem, is. well, you're right, but I think the problem is that this criteria is based off of very minute stupid data i mean if we're going to look at demographics according to age and split that all up in relation to to cuvit um there there are so many deviations from survival rates to mm, yeah. long lasting yeah. long term co- long haul long covid long, like, long like COVID. we're all truckers <laughs> got yeah. long haul covid <laughs> Like it, it's 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 like a, I need a spittoon for that code. Yeah, like, I don't know why I thought a trucker was a cowboy, um, but I guess my my point is like they are taking <laughs> they're taking every instance with this particular thing, which again I've said this like multiple episodes, but thank God it wasn't something that had a mortality rate of like ninety percent. Oh yeah, we'd all be dead. We'd yeah. all dead. We well, based it, it, and that's but not, at the beginning of this, everybody was like, oh, well, according to the Imperial man, College study, which you know. was bullshit. Um, within the first month, it was redacted. Talk about um, just scaring the shit out of everybody. Instantly. Well, it just tells you that people didn't learn in in, yeah. in high school to you know you know to learn how to reference and understand anything they read it just taught everybody at least for me it taught me that people don't understand um how to research things appropriately and how to develop their own opinion outside of what big government or big business tells them well you know we're we're social animals though we've talked about this before sure bulls we're are, the, we're also bulls are intelligent are. animals intelligent but social and you know i think that that a lot of this stuff that happened with lockdowns and covid and everything in general and I, I saw something the other day I was watching. I don't remember even what the show was, but it, it had this this short little three-minute montage 
of going through the streets of New York in March or April of 2020. And it was just, it was during a day, beautiful day, sun shining, leaves out. You could see that it was probably perfect day out. Nobody, nobody anywhere. And I live in Southern California, obviously. And there was a, in kind of on the boonies and it's a totally different feel here. And it gave me a perspective on the fear that could be engendered from something like this due to lockdowns, due to the, the, the Imperial College study, do all this stuff, that big city dwellers look at this entirely different than people that aren't there. Very interestingly, it, it brought that up in my mind and gave me a little bit of a different perspective on what people might think. Well, the funny thing about all this, and we can look at this, and we can talk about this forever, obviously, but the mm-hmm. dichotomy between being afraid of COVID and being uh, not afraid of lack of police presence um, is hilarious to me. And uh, obviously, I don't want to get down that rabbit hole because there's so many things we could discuss. But I just sure. think it is it's this whole scenario is not only is it it's it's I, almost like it's almost like covid itself is endemic and then hysteria thinking became endemic with it. People didn't want to accept that because something like this, which has happened once every like 100 years, there's always something that comes mm-hmm. out. Last one was the, the Spanish flu, which killed millions of people. Um, but it, it, it's. It's almost like people were just like, you know what, let's go from, you know, being kind of oblivious to war and oblivious to, you know, homicide rates and dying in cars and alcoholism and opioid use. Let's be oblivious to all of that and focus on one particular thing that has just almost, almost, almost as close when it comes to influenza, the same mortality rate, or better yet, a mortality rate that is almost or less than driving a vehicle. And they focus on that as if that is the most dangerous thing. Now, there's a lot of political benefit from that. What was the the don't take a, don't let a, a crisis go to waste? I don't know who. who oh said yeah, that. I, I, um, Rom uh, Rom Emanuel. Yes, yeah. So he was. I mean, I'm sure it was said before, but it's like, well, don't let any good crisis go to waste. Let's well, I guess the point get, is like get our stuff through. Yeah, but the point is like they don't seem to understand that by doing that, what they are opening the door for is. Just a total disregard for any semblance of structure or how we operate within the United States. And historically, people don't know the dangers of authoritarianism and fascism here purely because we haven't experienced to such a degree that other countries have. The the real question I have when I look at all these things is who's running everything? You know, you you, you look at this and you don't want to go down these rabbit holes of conspiracy. I always go back to follow the money. It's the economics. And it almost, every time I look at it in depth, you can trace things back and you go, okay, that's why this is happening. But when you look at it overall, there are, you know, governments are not put into place by people. Governments are put into place by powered entities. They are people, yes, but I mean, they're already people that have a certain degree of power. That's how governments are formed. They're not formed by just a mass of people that don't care about what the hell's going on. So, hey, you know what? I think we need to be governed now. No, they're formed by people they're, who have money. C- correct. Yeah. So why is it that we think that, or why is it that those people that create that, in the United States at least, we did, why did we run 250 years into the future and look at it and go, oh, it's all about the people. The people created this. No. Well, you can no. you can trace that back to the misinterpretation of what structure our government is. That's what it comes but, down to. But my point is, is that there's this need for um, collectivism. There's a, this need to create a club. 
there's this need to create a venue in which like minds can get together and control their world. Yeah, now you, it spills out in government to the rest of us. But yeah. you know, I look at I look at things, you know, societies, secret societies, and things like that. That mm. that I mean, there's a million of them out there. We we could talk about all kinds of things in that have the cloak of religion on them. <clears throat> We've everything. talked about that. Yeah, yeah I mean, literally everything. But the the one of the ones that intrigues me the most, especially when you talk about U.S. history and how our founding occurred, was the whole Freemason kind of um, well, background. Well, what's, what's interesting <clears throat> about all that, and just to touch on what you said about the acceptance of groups before we jump into this, um, it, and this is something you and I disagree on, um, and I think you're coming over to my end. Yeah. I think the lie of social media is a tool for communication is what has caused this collectivism type of isolationist, or not isolationist, collectivism type of uh, if one life is saved, then we've survived and we've done everything right type of thing. Or I'd rather let, you know, 50 guilty people go if uh, if one person, you know, who is uh, innocent doesn't get punished. Right. Like that whole type of thought process has come from the push by people like Mark Zuckerberg and I'm sorry, Tom from MySpace um, and Jack Dorsey. These, <sighs> I don't look at them as bad people. But I also don't look at them as particularly good. I would say they trend more towards the evil masterminds more than they do towards the uh, altruistic uh, beneficiaries of whatever we now call uh, online existence. Mm -hmm. um, and I truly believe that everyone bought into, oh, this is a brand new thing. This is the first time everyone can have communication with everyone at any given time immediately outside of a phone. Um, you know, this is something that everyone can share their thoughts and their ideas and they can create their own persona online. That was pitched in such a way where we disregarded all the negative tied to that. And the negative is, you know, higher levels of narcissism, um, a disregard for fact across the board because people want to identify with their groups as opposed to actually, uh, critically think about something. Um, the perpetuation as the as CNN and all other mainstream media have said of disinformation and misinformation. Mm -hmm. It's a tool now for manipulation is all it's become. Well, and see, interestingly enough, I look at, you know, social media and the internet in general. I mean, there's a, a lot of complexity I don't, I don't, to it. But they're mutually exclusive to me. I think the internet well, and social media are two different things. Social media part of the internet, let's put it this way. What the power of it is, it's... Yes, it is a uh, evolved communication tool. That is true. So you get the, you you have phone communication, which has been around for a hundred years, right? And you can speak one on one with person, or get on a party line, or have multiple calls with multiple people, or nowadays you can get on a Zoom call or a, a Teams or whatever. That's just kind of interpersonal communication for a conference call for discussion, everything. But yeah, what but what the power of what the power of this social media is is data retrieval. It's retention and retrieval. Sure. Because I could, back in, back when I was a kid, I could have written a friend of mine a letter, mm -hmm. sent them a picture and a letter, and they could have been across country, have pen pals, whatever. And if, if they took that letter and put it on their desk and left it there, picture, letter, this is how my life is going, Merry Christmas, here's what my family's doing, whatever the case may be, that data is no different it's probably couched not much differently than social media is today. I would. I the would. difference is is that the feedback loop, there's a yeah. time element involved. And mm. so when the data is not on somebody's desk or in somebody's home cross country, when the data is in front of your face at all times within a scroll or a flip or anything like that, 
there's this continual feedback that occurs that spins out of control. Yeah, but the problem, and I get what you're saying, but I don't think you're looking at it from the same perspective as like millennial or Gen Z. Your demographic is very specific in the sense that there is a tool aspect to this, whereas Gen Z and millennial are very specific to the sense that this is our life. We create our own identity through this. Your demographic didn't create your identity through social media. You could be we very create, right. Oh, about I, I'm, that. I'm, I'm but, correct. But about I, it. but I think that's a. It's not a mischaracterization of I your generation. I think it's, it's a an accurate miscalculation statement. of your generation and what these things are. But that's these what I'm saying. Should be looked at as tools. But that's what I'm saying is the reason it's not looked at as a tool is because there's a. There's a big disparity between, and I'm, I know this, I'm not trying to be condescending or I'm not trying to be broad stoking. I don't that way. Um, there's a big disparity between the lifestyle that you lived as you grew up and the lifestyle that I lived as I grew up and then the lifestyle that Gen Zers lived as they grew up. Because there's, I'm the last generation that didn't have social media their entire life. And whatever's next and, will be looked at the same way. Oh, yeah, artificial intelligence. Uh, it's going to be. And, and jumping We're going to look back at this time period and go, well, what? yeah, but the problem, I guess my point in saying all this is you say it's data and feedback loop. I take a step further and say it's indoctrination because you like something, you get remarketing, you get retargeting from certain But that's things. what I'm talking about. Yeah, that that so, letter that I sent cross country, if that person sent me back a letter and I sent them back a letter and vice versa, back, suddenly there's 30 letters over yeah, the but course people, of a year. But people don't predominantly use, they do in a lot of ways, they use it for communication, but there's also that other aspect of, oh, I've got to post something to get recognized, to be accepted by my in-group, to get likes, to get I views. think I'm not bringing my point up correctly. No, I do. I because, understand, but people aren't going to look at your letter and say, oh, I've got to click the like button or all. Oh, but I that's have to. what that is. It's not. It's a different it's form. No, no, see, I believe it's a different form of the same thing. Because you're looking. The at only it as difference a tool. is time. Yeah, I'm, the but speed that's, but of again, retrieval, the speed again, of turn. If you're looking at it as a tool, I'm looking at it as a tool with an identity and addiction factor to it. So it's look almost time, like you're personifying it. But no, you I'm think? not. No, I'm not personifying it. I'm looking. Look at the time you spend on social media on your phone. I can guarantee the time you spend on your phone is maybe an eighth of the average of Gen Zers. That matters. Because if you're not on your phone on social media, all, yeah. So if you're not on your phone on social media all the time, you're looking at it as a tool. You're looking at it as I would look at it, a calculator on my my computer. Or that a is truly on my the phone. way I look at it. So, so you're right. That the, is the way. That's I look the, at it. the difference. Is my generation and the generation after us, to even a higher degree, looks at it as a life. They look at it as if I don't have access to that is the end of how I am seen and perceived. I mean, look at people's lives being completely ruined by a post that they put on social media. That is, you, we, we can both shrug our shoulders at that. No, but I'm that not is shrugging. I'm very, just wishing it wouldn't happen. Well, but the reason I say that it did is because your gen generation specifically looked at it as our tool. Our generation, mine in particular, millennial, looked at it as a fun pastime. And the generation after us turned it into a life. They turned it into an existence, and you can see it through the usage of apps. You can see it through the usage of Snapchat, the usage of Instagram. All of these things correlate to go up as the generations get younger and younger. They do not go down, and we can talk about how there are probably outliers. I don't particularly use Instagram to the degree that some people do. I rarely post, but there are people who, as we both know, have made lifestyles and careers out of being influencers of nothing. Right. You're an influencer of nothing. Like you're influencing people to to think in a way that doesn't create. Maybe it's, maybe it's my thinking that's really the problem. Here. I don't that's think it's a problem. problem. It's the challenge here because I do think of I think of my phone as nothing but a tool. Well, it's if the same I'm way I look at my car. Paperweight. You know? It's the same way I look at my car, like or my my bike. Mm -hmm. It's it's 
I I like my bike because I like my bike. I don't like ride my bike because I people pe- other people like it. I like it because I like it. And so what you're saying is it's a social media and everything. It's it's like if you thought your bike was an extension of yourself. Yes. Like some and people do their BMW or their Mercedes an extension or, of their selves. Well, they don't believe it's, it's not an just a brand of what they like. They don't believe it's, it's an extension. A, they believe it is them. Like uh, it's it, they are the avatar. Like a subcon yes, a subconscious form of that. So where does that lead with AI? To oblivion. Uh, to virtual reality. It, it, that one movie with Bruce Willis. Remember we watched it a long I do. time ago. I forget it's like the that name movie of it, where yeah. uh, uh, not um. Not like it's something to do with like living in a virtual reality. I can't remember the name of it, but that's what it leads to. Or or, or Ready Player One. It leads to that in which people are addicted <coughs> to a non-reality reality. And the problem with all that is it creates through a lot of different manipulation tools and a lot of different um, very precise data points, um, a inability to understand the the value of living a natural and real life separate from that. And that's why you have higher levels of depression. That's why you have higher levels of drug use. That's why you have higher levels of commitment. All of it, or lack of community, all of this is tied to the specific thing that is filming me right now. Mm-hmm. You can see the rise. I mean, look at 2011. That's when it really boosted. You can see the rise in all of those things. There, I'm sure there haven't been any studies, but I can guarantee if you well, look at the rise are. of depression or the rise of addiction, of and these things specifically, um, were created to be addictive. And that's the problem with all this, is it wasn't created as you posit as a tool. It was created as a tool with an addictive element to it. So I got to ask the question, why is my thinking, it's just not, you can't just put this on me being older. Sure you know can. what I mean? There you go. No. I, I, I mean, How many I, years of your life did you live before well, well, social on, media? Hold on. Uh, you know, I, for the age I am, I'm pretty technically astute. Sure. And I like that stuff. We just talked about the yeah. MNRA stuff. I like mm-hmm. the, I think the idea of, I remember when things went from analog to digital. Mm-hmm. I remember the construct and learning about it and going, this is, this is magic to reality. I, I think a lot about these things, but I also have a way to break myself from that. And not everybody in my age group does. Some people get so inundated by this stuff, it becomes pers- part of their personality. I think it's a, it's, I think it's beyond just the age thing. It's probably more endemic, pandemic, endemic, whatever, endemic. in your age. And, and, well, but. I would say the reason I say you can tie it to age um, is because, if you don't mind sharing, how many years did you live of your life prior to social media? Well, what was the first social media thing, really? I mean, MySpace, the big one. Okay, yeah. There's other but ones, the, but the I mean, big one, which was so, like 2006. So I was, I, was, I was selling electronic devices. Mm-hmm. In when I lived in Arizona in eighty six, whatever. So MySpace, but that wasn't MySpace. Yeah, that, but MySpace that was, that was AOL started. Yeah, but AOL was, was still a community. A tool. It was a communication it was a communication tool. tool. So MySpace morphed. took it to a place in two thousand six, probably before, maybe a little bit before, to where it was no it was longer two thousand six. Maybe a little bit before, yeah, 2006. That's at least when I started using it. I could be wrong. It could be, it probably was before. But I guess my point is MySpace took it from a tool to create a profile. What are you about? Who are you about? What are your ideas? What is your identity? Put your own personalized music to it. And then after that, I'm sure there may have been likes then, but then Instagram, and I'm broad stroking this from a very high level, Instagram took it to it's all about your likes. It's all about your views. Same with YouTube. Um, So, 
the reason I say that it has to do with age, it's not that people who are older don't use it. They use it differently. They use it mainly for communication. They use it mainly for, you know, games like Farmville or, oh God, it doesn't exist anymore, Jesus, um, or, or, uh, or news. Very rare, very positive instances. They use it for photos and keeping a collection of things. There is a difference, in my opinion, between someone who lived for 30, 40 years in which there was a time of which you had a phone and a watch. And those were your tools to communicate and tell what time it was and locate maybe if you were wealthy. Well, um, but I guess my point is there's a difference between that and having a, a, a almost a calcified existence up here because you've lived for so long prior to that and because of existences that it, that were just different than what I understand, even though I still had some of it, like go outside and come back when the lights come on and, you know, we don't have a phone, so just go and do your thing. The generation after me and some of the generation that I lived with, they didn't have that. So when you don't have that, you are tied to something that is not only a tool, but with social media tied in, has become an identity. And look at the rise of identity politics. That started in the 60s but it has exploded with the rise of social media because that's how people see their existence. They see I am who I am, but I also see my value tied to how many people view my post, how many people think my ideas are valid, how many people think that my, my profile is uh, uh, interesting. I mean, we have dating sites like Bumble and, and you know, plenty of fish. and, 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 and I have um, no idea what any of that shit that's is. That's what I'm saying. But, it, uh, Tinder, like all that stuff is directed towards very surface level I like you because you like a book. Maybe I have to reevaluate this a bit because I I tend to believe that there are certain things, certain ways of looking at things that no matter what age you can, you are, you can kind of see the logic in the way I've explained that as far as tools. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think I'm wrong either, but, but it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong if people start looking at these things as actually part of themselves, as part of their identity, as as at least a portion of whatever the value they give to themselves, which is dangerous as hell. Well, it used to yeah. be the cliques you were with in high school or college or whatever, the fraternity you went to, the sorority you went to, the club you belonged to, the this and that. Well, that still Was exists. It, it's just it, now on social media. There's no, there's no limiting factor. Is the problem? There's no. I mean, you look at things like Reddit. I don't know if you've ever used Reddit. Reddit, Reddit is, and I very rarely. I mean, it's 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 basically a forum for mm-hmm. discussions on politics and uh, literally anything. Mm-hmm. And and there's no limiting factor to that. Where you, like in a r- traditional clique, like you and I are in high school or in college or in a sh- uh, fr- fraternity, we could talk and agree about things. But if we disagree, there's like pushback. Mm-hmm. But because no one wants to get in a fight over shit, it's like respectful pushback. When it comes to social media, Reddit. The pushback you get is, ah, fuck you guys. So do Which, you think the hide is going to go away, though? So so we're in we're in an area now where people can get loud and angry and they they develop these personas online and they're, mm-hmm. they're partially who they are and mostly not who they are. And they can they can be very abrupt and identify as whatever adverb or whatever the frick they want to. All this stuff happens. But part of it is because of kind of a tacit anonymity yeah it's not real by the way but well, it's, people think no it but is. it is that's the problem is it's not real but it is it's a it, the dichotomy with something like that is like okay well i can say something offensive online as long as i go along with the grain of popular culture mm-hmm. um but if i go against the grain i can lose my job mm-hmm. so that's the problem with all this is it's not real but it is it's a non-real real thing and when it comes to you know people becoming certain things online 
there is a realness to that. And and that's why it's in a lot of ways dangerous because you you develop an entity of whatever it may be, left, right, middle of the road, you know, anarchist, whatever you want to, like whatever you believe in, whatever you think makes sense, you develop that entity and then you find like-minded individuals that don't give you pushback. They support that entity and you further get accepted. And I mean, why do you think there's like full conventions for things like, uh, you know, furries? There's nothing wrong with that. People can, I mean, or Legos. I mean, people can live whatever they want to live and do whatever they want. There's a reason that those things have popped up though to such a high degree or like a, or a YouTube celebrities or, or, or just filming videos. It's because people get accepted by these groups and because they are part of these groups, they feel like if they deviate in any way or sense, they won't be allowed in them anymore, which is inaccurate, especially so today. I, I guess we need to find out what is it we can do about this? Uh, nothing. Cause it, uh, I don't know. No, there's nothing. I think there's, uh, and, and the reason this, I say because that is this, this hill runs right to the ocean. And it's yeah. Done. Well, that, and that's why, you know? that's why I say that is, is we can, personally in our own lives do something it's called putting the phone away putting the phone down you know as you used to refer or still do it's a paperweight when it's off Mm -hmm. um doing that the problem is that because people are so heavily invested in these things because they have their identity in these things which again back to purpose removes actual life purpose creates a a uh, false almost calcified version of what they think life is Mm -hmm. um because of this and because of this the the advancement of technology i don't think there's any way to deviate from the path we're on I think that mm. the only way to deviate is if there's a massive catastrophe in which all of social media and entertainment and electronics and all that stuff is no longer usable, which would be terrible. The, the, well, it seems to me that, that that can't go away. There's too much energy involved. There's too much money could. involved it would be, in the way the way the ownership of yeah. these media programs have put together profiles that ultimately end up in sales to you. Well, all right? we've done, I mean, we've created and, a corporatized version of community, which is bad. I mean, and, and, and the problem with all that is in order for it to go away, there has to be a real world event in which um, IOT instances, the, the Internet of Things, mm-hmm. all of that goes away. And then all of the backup data goes away as well, which would be catastrophic in so many ways, because that means all the banking institutions would be gone. Our way of communication would be gone. Uh, the phone, everything, literally everything would be useless. And that yeah, would and result. Those are cataclysmic things. Yes. And, and who knows, you know, something like that can obviously happen. I'm just, I'm just, As I said, we're on, we're on just, trees. you know what, we're on, <laughs> like I said a, a while back, we're on just this little blue marble, right? Yeah. And so there's, we feel like we're insulated from, the greater universe. We feel like we're bigger than ourselves. And social media is part of that problem. Mm-hmm. We feel like our identity is involved in there because we have no perspective. Our perspective Specifically is Specifically in first world countries, by the way. Yeah, well, that stuff's blowing up big time. Yeah, you're right. Well, and that's what's the the weirdness about it is this type of problem that we have with identity politics and with... And, I, and what I mean by problem is not that people can't identify with certain things. That's always been kind of a thing when you mentioned clicks. Mm-hmm. Like, it, now it's politics before it was what was on the back of your leather jacket. So I'm not saying that it's not like something that is a major problem. The problem is that there is no limiting factor and it's specifically in first world countries. So if, say for example, the United States goes through a cataclysmic event. We become a third world country. One, a lot of people would die. Uh, two, a lot of people would have a real hard time initially <laughs> ah, dealing with a <laughs> ah, party. Hey, some of dealing, our fans made it. Here, yeah. Apparently. Finally, God, uh, dealing with, um, a lot of people have a hard time dealing with that shift. Um, like I'm, I'm reading the, the stand by Stephen King. Oh, awesome. Well, love that, that book. Awesome. Tough book, book to go through. And, uh, Mr. Stag, if I remember right, uh, flag. Sta- flag, 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 very mm. interesting. Um, 
just from a intelligence author perspective, mm-hmm. a lot of interesting ties to what's currently happening mm-hmm. to uh, to that book. Not to say that it was prophetic in any way. I don't necessarily be- no. believe that. I hope that. not. Uh, God. Um, you haven't got to the end yet, have you? Mm-hmm. Uh, like three fourths of the way through, mm-hmm. it's it's dark. But yeah. I guess my point in all this, and we can jump into our main topic an hour and a half, uh, three minutes in, um, is that uh, we don't have we can we can kind of spill out into this, and we can just refer to this topic for our next one, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, let's do that. Because because one of your things you're saying about prophetic and the the stand and uh, Stephen King and all that is I I noted that uh, I think it's Apple TV Plus is coming out with the foundation. Start matter of fact, it's tomorrow the hmm. first. I don't know if it's going to be a series or what they're going to do, and I don't even know if it's going to adhere to the, the famous books, Isaac Asimov, booth, the books, the Foundation yeah, yeah. Trilogy, but the whole premise around kind of the, gen- the general premise, guys, is that there was a scientist, Harry Selden, had what's called the Selden Plan, and he was a statistician and a theorist and a prophetic kind of person that used his ability to understand and digitalize and break everything down to its smallest components to determine what would most likely happen in five years, 10 years, 1,000 years, 10,000 years, 100,000 years, et cetera, et cetera. And so he had this whole scenario that basically said, and I'm not going to ruin it for everybody, but it had a lot of prophetic things in it. And society kept moving along through this plan, in part because the plan was in place. Because once you put a plan in place, you think it's the right path, and subconsciously you go toward that path, which goes back to what we're talking about individuals as purpose but as a society or as a civilization or as a as a uh, galaxy in this case in, yeah. in this in this show well everything ties. was planned but but derivations occur yeah right but at toward the end of these books what you saw even though there were vast anomalies and a whole series of wonderful stories that developed from those anomalies the philosophy is is that we're all in this river and you can throw a a, a pebble in the pond or you can throw a pebble in the river or you can throw a rock in the river and it can divert the water but you know what happens after that diversion realigns. the water realigns yeah. and it eventually lines up and goes to the lowest common denominator water flows well, to the ocean I think that well here's the thing is I'd love to read those books mm-hmm. I know you've mentioned them multiple times mm-hmm. I've got just I know a whole list of books. of books I need to get through it's hard to get through them. some of them more depressing than others and I wish people would read well, more than they view here's not look reading look, is well, the, the problem reading is good the problem that I don't think people understand or tie into it because it's not something that people think about because reading a book for leisure is different than reading a book for learning mm-hmm. me reading Stephen King is for leisure me reading you know a deep dive into the history of Marxism mm-hmm. is for learning mm-hmm. so there's a difference there and when it comes to just generally reading it might be good for your vocabulary not so much for your critical thinking skills and that's why every so often I have like a a, 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 a a fun, you know, n- fiction book that I'll dive into, like The Stand, uh, that seems kind of realistic, um, and then something that is very boring and hard to read because it, it changes the perspective. Now, mm-hmm. when it comes to Isaac Asimov and his, you know, uh, analysis yeah. and, and, and his, his writing, what's interesting about that to me is you can look at something like that, that these big pop culture phenoms like, uh, like uh, Back to the Future. Look at something like that. And was it in the second one where they said the Cubs would w- win the World Series yeah. in, in 2018 or something like that? I don't remember what year they said, but it was like... It was like a year off. Yeah. So for me, you know, when I look at things like that, people who see But also these, in that movie, the whole world was fucking ridiculous by I mean, right now. Well... I can't remember If you think years. about it, it was, 20, it was 2019. 
or 2018, one of the two. Yeah, um, we have to look it up. If, I don't it was in the teens. So if you think about it, I guess my point is we are trending in that direction. I mean, we have hoverboards. We yeah. have not necessarily commercially flying cars, but we have flying cars. Yeah. Um, you know, our 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 dress and culture is very similar. I mean, look at my shoes. Like the 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 things that they predicted in that movie in that series outside of the time travel is well, is very similar to what we are living. Well, that's a, th- to you a make lesser a very degree good point because a lot of these pop culture things, or even books like hell Jules Verne books mm-hmm. way back when, or uh, there's all kinds of things you can think of that predicted certain parts, really didn't predict, it forecasted. Yeah. And led us down a path. I mean, I, do you remember when the tax phone came out? No, oh, it's probably before. It was got to be nine. It was the a flip big, phone. It was a flip, one. no, a little tiny. It was yay big. And it was a, you'd flip it open. It was like a tricorder. It was like Star yeah. Trek. I, it was, the, it was yeah. called Star Tech, as a matter of fact, I think yeah. it was. And it was designed specifically because whoever designed it used to watch Star Trek. Yeah. And, and so these kind of things, these things have consequence. And so as fun as The Stand is as a book and, as, and you know, Stephen King as a writer is, I've never seen anybody that can write so much. I mean, just he's just I wouldn't continue. say that he's the best. Oh, no. I don't think he's the I best writer of all time. I think he's just produces. Well, I think he's he the thinks. And I think he's the best when it comes to description. I think his description good. of you setting. You can see things Yes, very he does well. a very good job of setting things. I personally, in my opinion, and I'm very biased on this, I think Fyodor Dostoevsky is probably the best he's author. He's unbelievable. Um, yeah, and mean, the reason I say that I is. Mean, punishment is, it, it changes people's well, lives. Well, Brothers Karamazov also. Yep. I mean, it, it's. Very difficult books for some people, but mm-hmm. very poignant in their message mm-hmm. if you can figure out what if it is. If you get through them. Yes. Right. Um, well, you know, most people, you know, buy, it used to be called Cliff Notes. I don't know what it is now. Spark Notes. Spark was, Notes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the but, problem that I have a very particular bone to pick with people that use that. And the reason I have a particular bone to pick, and this is, and this is getting, going to get real serious. I think the problems that we have today are because people Spark Noted instead of reading the book. Well, that but the reason Spark Notes and Cliff Notes came into existence was to cheat. It, it, there was an old saying when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That wasn't to cheat. Yes, it was. No, maybe it not initially, to, but it was. used You know as what that. people used to talk about all the time? Mm-hmm. Hey, just give me the Reader's Digest version of whatever you're talking about. Yeah, but that you know why that saying came into existence? Because the Reader's Digest version was a shorter version of the story that I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, but the problem and, though, the problem though, and the reason I, I get my guess, my point in that is. The purpose for reading, the purpose for art, music, is interpretation for yourself. Correct. Now, there are messages from the author, mm-hmm. but if you never ever read something to determine for yourself, you're not cultivating that critical thinking part of your brain, which obviously there's not a left or right side that's all debunked. But, but you got to remember why why people were reading those particular books. They read Dostoevsky not because they wanted to do it for pleasure or actually learn something, it's because it was required for their syllabus. But again, but again, if if you it's like with the it's it's like with the American form of teaching. It's the same problem that I have with it. Is it's very much a tell me what I think that you should tell me as opposed to give me some semblance of concrete individualistic ideas. I now that's de- the problem what that I have with Sparknotes. I think it depends on how holistic you want your understanding and learning to be. And as a person like yourself, you like to learn. Maybe not all the time. I, maybe not all subjects. But well, you read. I mean, maybe you're looking at me funny like this, but I, you read a lot of different shit. Well, it's not about and learning for me. It's about it's gotta be. Well, there's no other well, reason to read some of the shit you read. Well, true, but <laughs> uh, there's a learning aspect to it. But it's not so I can recite those things back. It's so I can try and understand, digest them, right? And maybe even if it's wrong, understand them for myself. 
It's I think like, that's, but that's what I'm talking about. The sure. vast majority of people don't read anything after they get out of high mm-hmm. school. Which I blame SparkNotes for. Well, it's not SparkNotes' problem. Mm, well, it's Maybe it's social problem. media problem. Well, it's the person's problem. Maybe it's problem. a personality it's, it's problem. Personal. Maybe it's a lot of things. It's personal conduct, really. But it's, it's also a desire problem, and it's a purpose problem, which goes back to what we always talk about. You know, that I, I, I find most people that I deal with in life, mm-hmm. most people that are floundering are floundering because they don't know what step to take next. So they take no steps. Even if you take a wrong step, you're doing something. You're, you're moving in a direction. Maybe you have to step back. But if you, if you spend time and try to figure out not the biggest purpose of my life or anything like that, the people that figure out what their life purpose is, I envy. I really do because they put a whole ball around their life and say, I'm going to do this until I die. Well, that's never been the case for me. But you can find your purpose within the context of this season of your life or this uh, relationship of your life or this period of education of your life. Whatever it is, you can develop a purpose around wanting to and gaining some meaning from that. Well, and and I think that's correct. I think the problem, and this might be where I deviate with the purpose argument because I think there's there's a reason for purpose. But again, life is meant to be lived. And what I mean by that is not that you should do everything because there are some no. things I wouldn't argue people should ever do like murdering people. Probably <laughs> not. Um, like, you know, uh, shooting yourself, probably not uh, doing drugs, depending on what type of drugs. Probably <laughs> not. So I, I guess my argument when it comes to purpose or bringing it back to reading the book as opposed to spark noting it is there is something holistic and, and wholesome, whether the book you're reading is bullshit or not about opening a book, reading through it, whether it's difficult or not and finishing the book and saying, ha, huh, I finished that thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. I did like it. I took this from it. I mean, like, look at look at uh, uh the fucking damn you. Look at look damn well, you, but Wolf. Look at, but look at um, what's his name? Uh, Nishi. I, ha- I fucking hate Nietzsche so much. And Superman. Not, he, his way of writing <laughs> is the most nonsense. And here's the thing: is I understand he wanted to create some sort of pseudo theological way of commentary on on Christianity or whatever religion. I get that, and I and I think there's merit to his Superman argument. Um, at the same time, I just don't like his writing style. But I guess my point is, when I'm reading something like that, as opposed to Stephen King, who I, I prefer Stephen King books over almost anything, or fuck it, the Bible. Uh, when you're reading things like that, it, it 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 is so much more meaningful to read the book as opposed to spark noting it. It's like I agree with well, it's, you. It's like it's like FaceTiming as opposed to sitting down over coffee in real life. Uh, totally different. Right. They're two different scenarios. But, so you can have the same conversation. If you're looking at FaceTime as a tool, then yeah. you can do a bunch of FaceTimes instead of going somewhere, meeting somewody or coffee. But again, so it depends. Yeah. And and I, I think there's room in our world for all of these things. But I think that the way we define our usage of all these things is critical to being healthy. And I don't know how to change that. So there's a lot of young people in my life. That I feel are not as healthy as they should be. So this because is because of these things. My suggestion, and, and this is why I'm so against spark notes, um, or just things that make things expedited but empty, because there is um, many things out there. Like it, it's like a, it's like riding a motorcycle in real life as opposed to riding or playing a video game that allows you to ride a motorcycle without any sort of uh, you know regard for your safety because you're in a video game. When you're riding a motorcycle in real life, there are myriad of things that go through your mind as you're going down the road 
whether it be straight or curvy, that you otherwise wouldn't feel or experience in a virtual experience mm-hmm. yet. Now, with that being said, there's the key. Uh, but again, we're not there yet. We may never we will be. be. Mm, maybe. Like th- th- that's the problem is we're playing with predicatives. We're, we're playing. We're not. We're playing with etherealness at that point. Yes, we are because uh, the reason I say that is there's a myriad of things that could happen between that point A where we are now and point B where there's a distinguishing Something indistinguishing factor. that can concur, so sure. I guess my argument is it's fun to talk about that and say yeah well there's there's gonna be this moment of proving that we're in a simulation and people look back at our one of our first few episodes and be like oh my god the wolf and bull were correct <laughs> they'll be, be fun there it's fun I understand they that listen to everyone but again they're correct but again. I, I will promise you there will be a distinguishing factor in nature between going into virtual reality and real life. And and I know people, I disagree with you on this. Here's the I problem. Really do. Here's the problem. And I know you disagree with me because you, you have a very Star Trek y perspective on these things <laughs> where everything in a Don't lot of ways. Don't put me back in the Everyone wants to be the Borg. I understand. Like, <laughs> I get it. Like, the I. Collective. Yes. And I, I understand. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. What I'm saying is that if we get to a point where it's indistinguishable, we are in a simulation, and at that point, um, here's my concern, because that argument, again, has a crit- has its criticisms, as we discussed, and has its positives and all that stuff. My concern, much like with anything, based on what we experienced over the last two years, is if that that is proven, there will be mass hysteria. I think people will lose their minds, and I think society, as humanity as we know it, will murder itself. I think that will be the, the great filter. I think... There you go. That's I what think I think it, it is. I think there will be a giant self-sort that goes on. I really do. And, but virtual reality, when when it adapts to the point... I mean, think about VR now. There are VRs you can put on. It's probably what we heard out there. There's probably VRs you can put on and, and play a game that will actually get your blood pressure up and will scare you or, or, or give you adrenaline rush mm-hmm. on a motorcycle. You use motorcycle as an example. You can get first person on a, on a VR motorcycle. But if you crash, with, you don't die. Exactly. But that's my that point. That is my point. Yeah, so that's my point, the differentiating factor. So much like so, having a coffee with so someone. So you will have a mass cadre of people that would rather do the VR and then a very small sliver of people that say, no, I want to jump out of a real plane. But again, uh, and to, and I guess we're, we're probably on the same page. I this, think we are. Is it, the difference is that I see the artificial and VR thing as a, a detrimental situation because of maybe apathy. I agree with um, that too. I'm not I'm not saying so I would say I'm more apathetic but towards I, but it than I, you are. That's because I believe people should I, I think people should be taught the lines between tools and themselves. But and I think if we could get to a point where we were actually teaching that I know I think I'm right about everything. That's no, my no, nature. I don't have a that's problem. your nature. That's my nature. But I, I really think that. I think that's what's missing. No, I, I, I think it might be missing, but I don't think it would stop. I don't think it would stop anything. Because, and the reason I say this is because people are taught that you know opiates, DMT, mm-hmm. meth, crack, all bad for you. And there are myriads of evidence. There is, there are literal. Yeah, but it's not the majority of the people. It's uh, always a segment. I'm of not the people. saying it's a majority of the people. I'm saying that, and I'm not saying that it's not a segment of the people. I'm suggesting that. We may have these things, but there are still, because of the addictive nature of something that makes you be able to do anything you want without consequence, I can guarantee the segment of people who will go into VR will be exponentially larger than the segment of people who do methamphetamines. I'm not saying not to go into VR. I'm just saying understand the the difference between life and not life. The problem is that we all... From a from a intellectual standpoint, understand the differences, and we still have the problems that we do with social media. I'm trying to remember the it's name a human of this. nature thing. I, I'm trying to remember the name of this one 
show that's out. It's not uh, upload. It's a different one that has kind of an implant, and you can basically see the social media things and the scores and discuss multiple people. Well, I would say, well, I I think that's all coming. Well, no, I I would, I would say, I would say yes, but I would also say the thing that's actually really coming is, um, what was that one futuristic show that had the guy who died and then was brought back with a stack? Oh yeah. Uh, Carbon. Great book. uh, Alter Carbon. Great book. Read the book. Um, fantastic book. I think that's more likely. And the reason I say that is because why, why in the world would you, well, maybe, well, maybe not, maybe it's not more likely because, I would say maybe it's a hybrid form because we would do a VR version or a virtual reality version in which our our, our you know human meat suits would be tied into something, and then as well, that body if, dies, if you, if you it would really be downloaded truly into had a the ability one. to do the carbon, uh, what is it called? Carbon Al- altered Alter carbon. carbon. You wouldn't put a new meat suit on. You would uh, you, you would put a hybrid on. You so would that put a hybrid. Were, yeah. I mean, I would I would get an android suit it would be that, something that fly similar. in space and do all kinds you know why why get yourself a, something that's gonna die every risk certain yeah risk that's why uh, well if, because you but if, if people that people that are trying to live for a thousand years are trying to mitigate the risk yeah but again my point wouldn't be that and if you by the way if you live that long you would change your thinking on oh, all of these things we talk about want, you wouldn't want to live that it, long i'm right? just saying if, no if, if 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 we went not in a gradual way but if we went from a lifespan of 80 years to a lifespan of 800 years because of technology that came about 20 years from now, people would hate lose it. their shit. They would hate it. Well, they wouldn't know what to do. Well, there'd be I nothing. Mean, who knows what to do with that amount of time? Most people have this internal clock in themselves. Well, it takes, right? it takes what is it? And this could be a wax tale. It takes about what? Roughly 10,000 hours, 10 years to master something. So, yeah. So if you've lived for 800 years, you master a lot of shit. Master and, a lot of stuff. And, and some people become hell yeah, bring it on. I'm yeah, going to be the best at this and that. And well, da, 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 da. You, you would never but, be able to be, though. That's but, the problem. What it ended up happening is what happened in that show. There'd be these giant towers in the middle of these slums, yes. and the few people that can afford the altered carbon would be sitting there doing all the weird shit and yep. being multi-androgynous and partying all which, day which, long. Which, uh, I mean, I think uh, we're going to go that way anyway. I think that's where we're going anyway. But The, the future is coming at us very rapidly. I, I think hard there's going to be. I think there's going to be a cataclysm coming up before that. I think of that. I day. hope not. Uh, I, I, I find human I find, nature. Is, I, I know what you're saying, but I find the ability of human beings to come up with the stuff that they do. One is they they don't single, almost don't deserve singular human beings, not mass groups. Well, it's, and, I mean, it's always individuals well, it's or groups. Well, we talked yeah. about a few episodes ago. Is it's, I think that it's a single person that has a good, like, I mean, and you can talk about some of the people that we lay tribute, like Henry Ford. Uh, there's been myriads of evidence that where he's done some things that were squirrely or Thomas Edison. People say he mm-hmm. stole stuff. With that being said, I, I guess my point is there are single people who make decisions that change the world because mm-hmm. people realize, oh, this thing is good. That idea is good. The collective just, t- they, they, this is, negative but the collective is our hanger honors they they see it and they say well i'll support from a business perspective and then some people see oh well you know steve jobs who was a notorious asshole by the way i'm going to use this phone because this phone's great mm-hmm. but they didn't play any part in the phone they didn't play any part in recovery all that stuff and my view is human nature being more self-destructive than uh self um cultivating the likelihood of there being a cataclysmic event by someone's stupid decision is way more likely than there being thousands of years of peace until we he- reach this 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 uh, this Plane singularity. Yeah, it's so, it's way more okay. likely. So when you do read the foundation, mm-hmm. remember this name, the mule. Okay, because 
that is what you're talking the about. Third, uh, the third person yeah. to our wolf and bull. The mule. <laughs> the mule. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the wolf, the bull, and the mule. <laughs> well, I would tell you this, though. Um, I, I, you know, we, we started to allude to some stuff, and we went off on our normal, you know, animal diatribe that we do, and that's fine. I mean, that part of this is, and it's all opinion, as we've always talked about, and, you know, we have opinions that some of you guys out there may just despise, and that's okay with us, too. Give us, give us freaking feedback. It's man. not okay. It, I, I want you to it, believe everything that it, I say is true. Join the Wolf and Bull cult. Well, that's, that's, he's, he's saying that because he's in a certain demographic that thinks so highly of themselves. I am the best know? in every and us, way. Us no, in the, in no the, imperfections. Yeah, and us in the older demographic, you know, we just think everybody's a tool. And, and yeah. the Wolf is definitely a tool. That's okay. That's fine. <laughs> I'm a tool for entertainment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except, oh, boy. No, that's going to look <laughs> bad in post. Nice kind of full waking. face face wink is what that is but we're <laughs> we're gonna talk about we're gonna st- i think we should go into kind of a little bit of a series and delve into it a little bit first with probably the largest and oldest quote-unquote mm-hmm. secret society in in the world and that's the freemasons and i could be wrong about go- this but i think the illuminati is older largest and oldest i said i didn't say oldest methuselah was the oldest but it wasn't well, the largest interesting and look, goliath was the largest by the way yes. um <clears throat> You know, Thomas Jefferson was a leader of the Illuminati, right? <laughs> and George Washington. No, legitimately, no, <laughs> legitimately me. though, like legitimately, and I did not know. Are this. you saying legitimately? I'm legitimately, really, like, really, and really, Legit- like, legitimately. Totally? Uh, there are letters that Thomas Jefferson penned himself to certain other individuals, and we can pull them up because mm-hmm. um, they're in the, uh, is it the natural na- national archives mm-hmm. um, that reference the Illuminati. Why do you think George? Why do we think Martha Washington got rid of all of George's stuff? Why do you think that? Well, happened? I, I oh, because he was such sure. a good guy. I no. just don't well, want here's, here's the, to, here's the problem, to though. look at him otherwise. He was a freaking thirty third level Masonic temple. The Masonic head. temple stuff. It, I I truly believe that it gets a lot of bad rap because of the Illuminati. Well, I don't. I'm not necessarily think it's bad rap. I think it's fine. I think there's derivations that occur on everything, and if you look at the Freemasons overall, there's like a hundred different lodge types and yeah. You know, if you if you're this ethnicity or from this country, it's this and this, well, which is all very interesting. But overall, it's the largest, largest and supposedly oldest secret society period. And we're going to start with that. But I think we're going to delve into several Masons, different things for there. Illuminati, and then um, there's got to be a few other ones we can About, do. Uh, uh, what's the one we that, can just go right down into L. Ron Hubbard land. Sure. And into the, the... Well, what's interesting... Here's the thing I want to say is... And, and this is something that I've always thought to be very... A very weird, ironic social quirk. Because as long as I've grown up, I've always been told that the Masons are like demonic and they've got a lot of weird stuff. I heard all that purely too. Purely because the people that I'm related to are part of a much larger and older mm-hmm. secret group. That is uh, I know where you're going here. Yep, I knew so, you were going here. So here's what's so funny about all this is there. Now, granted, I think theology, specific Christian, specifically well, all Christianity, of it is ritualistic. Well, wait a sec though, but I think specifically Christianity. I think it also gets a bad rap, but I think specifically Christianity is also very uniquely responsible for the cultivation of some of the things that we now understand to be true from a scientific perspective um, and for from a, a cultural perspective, historical, et cetera, et cetera. Without that church in particular, due to wars that 
some of the church may have played a part in. Of course um, they did. Without that particular church, there are some things in history that have been would have been lost to time. So, granted, well, the Knights Templar, according to a lot of legend, which is a quote unquote secret, part of secret group, and also part of Catholic Church. No, the Masonics. I know. I know I'm just I'm Catholic Church it. killed it off. Sure it did. In thirteen fourteen, on Friday the thirteenth, I, I think that Constantine. Constantine who created became the Catholic a Christian. Church. I understand. He didn't create the Catholic Church. He, he played a part. A Christian. He played a very. He changed the world mm, by becoming look Christian. Look it up. He played a very pivotal part mm-hmm. in cultivating the power. See, and this this crowd is, is why we're going to talk about this because it's not just the Masonics. It's not just the Illuminati. It's not just the Catholic Church or the Christian Church or the whatever. There there are collective. Cl- <laughs> I hate to use the word clubs, but that's kind of what it is. There's kind of these collective groups that they follow doctrine and they decide that we're all of this like mind and doctrine and and they have to kind of say we're the best at all this and they want to disseminate that throughout the world and that's why i said earlier in this this video cast podcast whatever the hell you call this now um that i that i was saying this is a gaming stream that might as well be (laughs) right Uh, after this we're gonna play minecraft Something craft. I don't. I know would why. love for you to play Minecraft. That would be hilarious. See, the problem with games with me is I you look at them as tools. You would love <laughs> Minecraft. Kidding. I'm sure I would. You, the but, calm music. But we we need to definitely go into. I think these would be fun for ourselves and the audience so, to listen so, so to. So what and I watch. said. I said. I said we're going to talk about Freemasonry or Masonry after this. No, I can't talk about um, Masonry. I'm just putting bricks. Illuminati. Um, Scientology, mm-hmm. and we can talk about the Catholic Church. We now, now with that Saints, being said, we can talk about with that being things. said, I know for a fact Constantine played a huge role in the Catholic Church. And the reason I say that is because prior to the Catholic Church, Christianity wasn't called Christianity, and it wasn't. I mean, and we're talking about the actual like it was called the Churches of Christ originally. The, there was yeah, the churches there was in Ephesus and other places. I, well, like I think that, like that. there was some. I've heard some other things from being, and these things could be correct. But you know, part of that history um, is that who writes the history determines the history. And you got to remember, it was I mean, the, the freaking the freaking printing press was a st- Gutenberg's printing press was. I don't remember what year that was, but thirteen bef- no fourteen sixty. But be, be, well, before that happened, before that happened, the only way information was passed along was on papyrus or, or a bunch of a bunch of monks in mm-hmm. places you know scrolling through drawing things their and, little weird I mean, sexual photos and pictures and <laughs> oh my god yeah. yeah of course they did i mean if you're a pope or not a pope if, if you're, you're a, a monk a monk i mean jesus you got a lot of time on your hands you can't talk they were can't. not pious in any way i i it's like with ben franklin he ben had Franklin his thirteen. He had his thirteen. Man. He had his thirteen virtues, but that man he had his thirteen colonies did not consider maybe from his <laughs> li- <laughs> livelihood. Um, that man uh, was heavily but, involved in non-virtuous. So things. we need to go down that road. We're going to go down that road with you guys. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be great. But also. You should be talking to the the people out there about getting you and Beowulf off the ground. So Beowulf and I, we are, as I said before, we are going to be releasing our first episode. The crowds are outside waiting. It's like waiting for the opening on Black Friday. These things take time. Uh, And I look, my biggest thing is I don't want to be the cultivator of the topics. I want her to want to be able to talk about something that she wants to discuss. Oh, she will. So this is something like this is something that I I don't want to because I can. There's a million things that I could talk about, but I know for a fact that I want mm-hmm. her to have a direction. All this. I'm saying is I know the people are looking for it, sure. and I'm just encouraging it. Mm-hmm. 
But ultimately, I, th I think the, the points you were making earlier about the demographics and, and the, the difference between looking at something from um, one generation to the next is, is kind of an important one to note and one that I don't often look at. I think it's normal for an older generation to look at a newer generation and say, number one, get off my fucking lawn, right? And, and <laughs> number two... You don't know what you're talking I've, about. Listen to me. Your music is terrible. Your this is terrible. And you should be looking at this as a tool. Damn I think that that so. is a... I've come to determine that that is a purely... I could be wrong about this, but I think that is purely an American phenomenon. I think that there are cultural differences across the world that don't have that perspective on things. Look at Italy. The houses that everyone lives in, the familial generational things, they don't look at it that way. They don't look at it as a competition. And that's, I think, a problem that America's facing right now is everyone doesn't want to realize that the passing of the torch needs to be a ceremonial celebration, not a competition of if I pass it, I lose everything. That's why we have the problems that we have. Hey, everyone. This is The Wolf speaking, wrapping up yet another episode of The Wolf and Bolt podcast. We appreciate you spending your time with us, and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. If you like what you heard, tell your friends and family, your neighbors, the local bartender, your doctor, your boss, and hell, you can even tell us. By leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you can directly help build the Wolf and Bull cult. I mean, uh, the Wolf and Bull family. We can be found on most major podcasting platforms and social media. So what are you waiting for? Scoot on out of here and enjoy your day. But you should probably leave us a review first. But make sure to enjoy your day. But don't forget to leave us a review. Okay, bye.